So this morning we're going to finish up our three-week sermon series that we've been going through together called Grace Going Forward. As we've been talking about how it is by God's grace and only by the grace of God that we here at Grace can be moved forward towards the mission and the ministry that God would have for us to accomplish. And so we've looked at, over these three weeks, uh, every week we've started off with this passage from Acts 2, 42 to 47. And so I'd love for us to read this again as we are refreshed and reminded that as God created the church to look like he did here, so this is our calling to continue to look this way. Can we read this together? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so over the past two weeks, we looked at the two highlighted sections. In the first week, that first section that the Lord added to their number daily, and then last week we looked at, at that word devoted and what that means. And in the first week, we said our, our first commitment that as the Lord adds to his church daily is, is our commitment is to intentionally invite other people, to be the ones who reach out, to be a part of changing lives so that when those who are far from God are brought into the kingdom of God, that we get to party with heaven. We get to celebrate that act. And today we get to do that at 11 o'clock when we have a little one who is brought into the family of God through water and word and baptism. And we said that all of this is about one thing and it's about changing lives. Maybe you didn't notice this on the way in this morning, but um, on the way out, if you look to the left in that connection corner, uh, that's, that's over in that corner, it would be to your right as you walk in the doors. We changed the bulletin board to look like that. And this year, what we want to do is we want to celebrate lives that are changed. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to take the little stars and every time someone is baptized or somebody who is far from the church, far from God, is brought back to be closer to God and part of the family of God again, uh, we want to put their first name on that star and put that up on that bu bulletin board. And at the end of this year, our goal, our prayer, is that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we would fill that bulletin board full of stars of people whose lives have been changed by the gospel and the, and the message and the ministry of what grace is doing. But in order to do that, we're in this together, right? Like we have to do this together. It's the only way that will happen. And so our encouragement to you is to be a part of changing lives and inviting others to be a part of what God is doing in his ministry once again. And the second, we looked at our second commitment, which is to intentionally engage. To intentionally engage being a life of a disciple. We said it was that based off that first word or that word that we looked at in Acts 2 where it says they were devoted to. That word could also be translated they were obsessed by. This afternoon at 2.20, some of you will be obsessed with the Brewers game and checking the Cubs score at the same time, 
right? And you will be obsessed with hoping that the Brewers win the NL Central. But what God says is he reminds us that no matter all the other things you're obsessed with, Packer games and Brewer games, with your job, with your family, with your child's athletic and academic careers, with, with retirement, whatever that is you're obsessed by, that, that the one thing, the most important thing that you and I can be obsessed with is the things of God. And we said there were six areas or six marks just as a beginning point that we could consider growing in as we engage in the life of being a disciple. And today we're going to look at our third and final commitment about what God calls us to be as disciples here at Grace. Let's start our time with a word of prayer. We pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at what you are doing in your church, as we consider the work you are doing in our lives here at Grace, Remind us of how it is only by your grace that we are able to go forward. And today as we talk about the community and what that looks like and what it means to value the community, we pray that if this convicts us, that you would convict us. If this encourages us, you would encourage us. If this reminds us of our calling and inspires us, that you would inspire us so that we could be the people of God that you have called us and created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at uh, this next commitment, the thing I want to start with is this, and I'm going to need your help this morning again um, to answer this question, that if you were to show that you valued something or someone, how would you show that you valued it? What are some things that you do to show that you value someone or something? What's something you do? You put it on Facebook. There you go. Good. Got time. There you go. So if you value something, you give it your time. By Facebook, how about we share it, right? Because some people don't use Facebook. But you share it, right? Your gifts. Yeah, if you value something or if you value someone, gifts. Or if it's something, right, like you value your car, you value your house, you're not going to give your house a gift, but you might invest money into it, right? Fixing it up, putting it together, if it's your business. What are some other ways that you show you value something? What? Affection. Yeah. So affection, so hugs. Love, care, right? We care for it. We take care of it. You wear the t-shirt? Yeah, of your favorite team or something, right? So, so you display it, right? You show it. Nope, didn't want to write display there. That's all right. What else? What else are some ways that you do that you're able to do this? So you learn about it. And now it's not going to show up anymore. So, all right, so you learn about it. I had the same problem last night. Don't know why. So, so there are ways that you show this, right? There are ways that you display affection for certain things. And it's not just by saying it. Because we can say a whole lot of things. And just because we say something doesn't mean we necessarily value it. And just because we talk about it or attend it doesn't mean we necessarily show affection for it. 
but a community gathers around things that it values, right? And then shows that it values those things. And we're gonna talk about how we show that we value a community based on certain things that we do. Now, when you think about a community, a community always gathers around something, right? So, so for instance, when I was growing up, I had a community, a group of friends, and our group of friends, we gathered around baseball cards. We loved baseball cards, so we would grab all our baseball cards, gather together, and we would trade them, we would put them in, in sleeves, we would look at our collections, we would compare our collections. We gathered around baseball cards. But for some of you, you gather around food, right? So your community goes out to eat every Friday night or every Tuesday afternoon. There are communities that gather around athletics. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV this afternoon, right? They gather around football games or baseball games or basketball games or soccer games at the soccer field. And so, so there's all sorts of ways in which they gather together. Communities gather around things that they value. And when they gather around the things that they value, they demonstrate that they value it. Now the church gathers around something it values as well. But the thing it values is it values its Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so we gather around Jesus and his gifts. And what we say is what we gather around is so much greater than anything this world would have to offer to us. It's, it is greater than baseball. It's greater than academics. It's greater than athletics. It's, it's greater than the food that we gather around with our friends. It's, it's greater than relationships. What we gather around are the things that God gives to us. And the question that we need to ask is this, is that if, if, if we were to be asked, do you show that you value Jesus and his community, his church, do you have the proof to show that you actually value it? Like if you would look at this list that we created together, would you be able to prove that you valued the community? That you valued the things of God? We're going to look at what that means in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. What this whole thing has been based off of is what we're going to look at. So notice here, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. As you look at this text, what are some things that you notice about the community? Well, what are some things that the community values? What are actions and traits that the community displays? What do you see there? What's that? Devotion. They're devoted to it. They're all in for this. What else do you notice? There's fellowship, right? You see it in verse 42, there's fellowship. In verse 44, and all who believed were together. In verse 46, it says, and day by day they attended the temple together. So there was always this idea of being together. There's a, a community, a fellowship by which they had to gather as one. What else do you see here? Support, right? There is support, there's care for each other. You see this in verse 45, selling their possessions, distributing the proceeds as any had need. They were breaking bread in their homes together. They were caring for one another. They were loving one another. What else do you see here? There's worship, right? That's verse 42, isn't it? When they talk about the apostles' teaching or the preaching and the reading of the word of God to doing that together while they're breaking bread, communion, and they're having the prayers. So there's worship. What else do you see? Generosity, don't you? 
You see that in multiple places. Again, they had everything in common. They, they cared for one another. They sold possessions and distributed to others who as they had need. Or, or then in verse 46, it says that as they received their food, they did with glad and generous hearts, meaning they realized what they had and then they gave to others as others had need because their hearts were filled with generosity. So we see that there are things that the community values, things that are significant to the community. And as we look at this, we're going to look at three key ideas. First is community, and then two things that are important to the community as we talk about the main point of 42 to 47, or our third commitment. And the third commitment is this, is that you and I, we're going to intentionally invest in the community. We're going to intentionally invest in the community and the things that God is doing. Now, to understand this, the first thing that we have to understand is we have to understand what is the community. This is a key word in Scripture, this idea of community. And that community meant two things in Scripture. It meant, number one, the gathering of God's people together. And number two, it meant the community in which they lived. So, so throughout Scripture, sometimes you would have to understand, is he just talking about the, the gathering, the community of believers, or is sometimes Scripture talking about basically everybody that's living around them, so like the greater Milwaukee area community? But that idea of community is so significantly important. And in today's world, we, ex we see extremely an enemy of community. And that enemy of community today is individualism, which is something that is very, very prevalent in our American society. It's the idea of what is mine is mine and what is yours is yours, right? So this is my calendar and these are my needs and this is, this is what I need to do and, and what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine, what's in my bank account is mine. And, and there's even couples now who get married and they each have their own separate checking accounts because there's a still idea of, of this individualism of mine is mine and yours is yours and, and separation. And, 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 and this is such an American concept because in the scriptures you don't see this, right? Like, do you see that anywhere in Acts 2, 42 to 47? This idea of mine and yours. No. It's nowhere in there. This idea of what's yours is yours and mine and mine is completely missing from Scripture. In fact, community was so significant, we, we see these two very important passages on what the community is supposed to look like. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, as he's talking about the body of Christ, he says that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers, they all suffer together. But if one member is honored, then they all rejoice together. Notice he says it's about this oneness. It's not your celebrations are yours and mine is mine. So for instance, this afternoon, if the Brewers take first and the Cubs are in second place, you suffer with me. Okay? Right? So we suffer together. It's okay. So it also means I have to rejoice with you somehow. So, right? But, but, but it's, there's a togetherness, isn't there? There's no yours and mine. It's ours. We are one member. We rejoice together. We suffer together. We are in this together. Or in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, a famous passage at weddings, a popular one at weddings. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Notice again, it says, it says that you're not meant to be alone. 
If you're alone, you're exposed, you're at danger, you're by yourself. But, but two, together, as a community, that's what God made us to be. And then when it talks about that cord of three strands, it's talking about how it is Jesus Christ that wraps that together. But we were made for life together. There is no individual Christianity. We have this idea in this world today, well, it's just me and Jesus and me and Jesus and me and Jesus. And, and well, in some ways, yes, but not completely because in scripture, that idea of me and Jesus was foreign because it was about me and the community and Jesus. That we are in this together. What's really interesting in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, and in all these passages, there is a word that we use in our churches today that you really don't find, except maybe in, in one section, and that is the word membership. The only time they would even kind of refer to that is when it talks about being a member of the body of Christ, but it's really not talking even about membership because the way we talk about membership in the church today is, is I put my name on some rolls and on a piece of paper, and as long as my name's on a piece of paper, it doesn't matter if I attend worship or it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm active in the church as long as I am a, a, a card-carrying member of the church. And, and in Scripture, that would have made no sense at all. Because to be a member of a community meant that you were known and you knew others in that community and you were an active participant of it and you showed that you actually valued it. Because the community you saw, in fact, you even said this to yourself, if you want to show value for the community, you care for it. So that when others are hurting, you step up and care and bless them. Many times when I go over to people's houses, especially for those that I bring communion to and, and who can't get out of their house. And, and, and in cases of, of those that are in hospice or, or going through cancer or those who are homebound, at the end of our time together, I'll often say to them, is there anything else I can do for you? Is there anything else our church can do for you? How can our church be a blessing to you in your time of need? And sometimes I'll even say, say can we bring you food? Can, can we bring a meal over and bless you in that way? And what's really great to hear is more often than not, because I believe it is, it is that generation that gets this, is that they'll say to me, you know what, Pastor, thanks for offering, but, but we have a great group of friends from church who are already setting up meals. We have a great group of friends from church who are already bringing over a meal this week. I love hearing that because that's what the church is supposed to be. But the only way that the church can be that is if we know each other and are known by others, meaning that we know the people around us. So for instance, if you would look around you right now, no, no, seriously, look around you right now, and not just at your spouse, but the people who are literally around you, how many of those people do you know? And how many of those people know you? because we're supposed to be known by and know others. And in this service, probably a little bit easier, but there are a lot of cases where, where we just don't know and aren't known by others and we need to be. In fact, uh, sometimes I'll have somebody say, hey pastor, did you notice so-and-so was missing this weekend and I haven't seen them in the past couple weekends and, and in some services it's easier to notice and in other services not so much and, and, and when we worship seven to 900, uh, just depending on the weekend, um, depending I guess on Packer games or on other activities going on on a weekend, um, sometimes I'll say, you know what, I, I didn't notice that they've been missing, you know, there's, there's a lot of people here. And I'll say, but if you noticed, have you reached out to them? Well, no, that's what I was going to ask you to do, Pastor. No, no, no. 
If, if we're the community together, well, why don't you reach out to them? Well, why don't you encourage them, right? Like, like, I was thinking about this is, is how did the church track members in the early church without computer programs, right? Like, how was it able to do that? It did it by the people of God, Lutherans, who always sit in the exact same seats they've always sat in, looking at the people around them and realizing, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I should probably reach out to them. Because that's what God's called us to do as a community who cares for and loves each other. And there's two aspects in which we do this. Two aspects in which you and I can invest in the community. And the first one is by serving the community. Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, says, we need to come together and do that to stir each other up to love and good works. To stir each other up to service. Because God has called us not just to gather together as a community and then do nothing. But if you notice, even in the way we said that we show that we value something, we value it by participating in it. Do you know it takes 74 volunteers this weekend just to make our weekend worship possible? 74 in one weekend. And we do this at least four weekends a month. Right? That's how many volunteers we need. And we need you to be a part of this. That we serve together as a community. 1 Peter 4, it says, As each person has received a gift, use it to serve one another. He says, So you are individually blessed. And each of you differently, but you have it so that you can serve others. So as, God, as good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks, do it as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. He's saying, saying you, the community, is brought together to serve one another. That we are one church, we are one body, and we have multiple areas of ministry. We have worship ministry, we have care ministry, we have adult ministries, we have the school ministry, we have mission ministries, we have student ministries, but in the midst of all of this, we are one ministry and God calls us to invest in that ministry through serving. In fact, at Grace, what we say is, is we don't have multiple staffs, we have one team, one staff. And so if you go over to our Kenwood campus and you would walk in there uh, during the day when the kids are in school, you would see this as you walked in. And this is some of those who serve on our staff in many areas of ministry. And it's not everybody because uh, we didn't get everybody over there to get their pictures taken. We have a communications director and administrative assistants and so on and so forth. But this is a part of the picture of those who serve on staff here at Grace. But we have one staff. There's no church staff or school staff or student ministry staff or care ministry staff. It is one team, one staff, one community of people who serve together. But you know who really should be up here as well? You. Because when we talk about who is the staff of the ministries at Grace, it is the community. In fact, if we would say, who is the face of Grace? The face of grace is Jesus Christ and us together for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. And so the first way we invest is we invest through service. The second we invest is we invest in generosity. Malachi 3, will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? In your tithes and contributions. 
You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need for more. Or First Timothy, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life which is truly life. In fact, you yourselves even said that if you want to show that you value something, you invest in it. You, you give it gifts. You bless it with generosity. And in a church, generosity, especially in the way churches are today, inhibits or accelerates ministry. Now, it doesn't mean that it powers ministry. We know that it is the Holy Spirit that powers ministry. But our generosity inhibits or it accelerates the opportunities we have in our budgets, in our prayers, in our plans, in our strategizing for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. And our generosity, therefore, is an investment. It's an investment that got us into this building, didn't it? So that we could enjoy the blessing of worshiping in this space and having our children and our youth be a, have a blessing for the space upstairs and having room for Bible studies and fellowship and, and all sorts of benefit dinners in our kitchen and in our commons. It's why we have the growing ministries that we do. But if we want growing ministries, growing ministries involves growing generosity so that we can pay for our staff so that we can continue to pay for the debt that we have on this facility, and so that we can create ministry opportunities that change lives so that we can fill an entire board filled with stars of lives that have been changed through the ministries of grace. Because when we invest, when we intentionally invest, that investment does not go away, right? Because if you invest something, you hope to get more out of it than what you did to begin with. It's like this. We, we, we have a grace-giving garden, God's giving garden, that's in the back of our, our church. You don't see it when you pull in because it's, it's hidden behind the commons. But we have some uh, faithful uh, people who serve to grow in our God's giving garden. And what they do is they plant seeds and then they take care of those seeds and they water them and they fertilize them and toil over them and then they grow and they pray that they produce more fruit than just one seed worth of fruit, right? So they invest one seed in the ground and hope to come up with a plethora of fruit. And so it is with our investment. We invest and we hope to come up with more than we could have ever seen by ourselves. We invest in service and generosity and we see lives that are being changed. And the way that you show that you value and that you are part of a community is not by saying I'm a member of it, but by revealing it through your investment, through service and generosity. As you boldly, courageously, and faithfully say, you know what, we are in this together. Over this next year, we're gonna spend time looking at our building and growing ministries and helping ministries that are already strong get stronger. We're gonna call an associate pastor and look even beyond that. We're gonna start planning for the future of what is next, where is God leading us, how is he moving us forward, and we're gonna seek to listen to you, you so that together we can speak into this, whether that's at town hall meetings or listening sessions or, or at our, our State of Grace Voters Assembly, which is kind of like a family gathering of the community where we're gonna have a benefit dinner ahead of time, a spaghetti dinner ahead of time at 5.30 to benefit one of the members of our congregation, and then to talk about what God is doing in this place and even beyond. 
But as we have this meeting, as we gather together, as we plan, as we strategize, as we look at what God has next, as we dream about what God is doing in the ministry of grace, our encouragement to you is to be committed to it. To be committed to what God has called us to be committed to as a community, and that is to invest in the community through service and generosity. This year, we're gonna continue to encourage you, and we're gonna encourage each other to these three commitments. To intentionally invite, to intentionally engage in growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and intentionally invest through service and generosity in the lives of others. And as we take up these commitments, we're gonna watch, and we're gonna see how through us acting as the community of God, that God will do immeasurably more to change lives than we could ever ask or imagine. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.